Sonic 06. We got Sonic Genesis. A great game. <laughs> Sonic Riders, uh, are arguably the best thing to come out of that anniversary, <laughs> depending on who you ask. Was that the first Riders? Yes. Yep. Okay. And then Sonic Rivals, which... Sonic Rivals, well, actually, we'll get to that later in the, in this episode, but uh, yeah, it was it's a game. It's um, fine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get to it. Um, but yeah, so the fifteenth anniversary for Sonic was not good for the Hedgehog in a lot of ways, and Gen- iconic. Yeah. <laughs> so Sonic Genesis is essentially a port of Sonic One for the Game Boy Advance in 2006 so this was like really late like the ds was already like three years old by this point oh damn yeah um so this game sonic genesis is like the physics are completely wrong the music sounds atrocious the the screen is crunched in ridiculously everything about it is broken and it I'm Bill, a one-time Instagram blogger and now a podcaster. And I'm Alex, the Chaotic Neutral. And together we are the Gaming and Collecting Podcast. A brother-sister duo. That talks about gaming. And also anime. And don't forget the collecting. Or sometimes. Ah, forget it. We're just a nostalgia podcast at this point. But anyways, guys, thanks for joining us as we discuss the games that shaped us. So, this is where I'd normally say, how you been? But we actually have a guest this time, and I'd like them to introduce you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'd like them to introduce themselves. He's, he's a little nervous, I guess, because I'm here. <laughs> hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, my, my, my name is, is Thrak. Uh, most people call me Thrak. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm here because I've been requested to uh, discuss the topic for this episode, because... I have a little bit of knowledge in this topic, so yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, it's funny for like the last like few episodes we've been doing. Like Zencaster has been just our enemy, and like every time I try to start an episode, it just like crashes. So oh no, <laughs> I was like starting. I'm like, please don't screw up this time. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, but uh, anyways, so I guess how you been? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, you know, keeping busy. Um. Just you know, trying to live life to the best of my ability, I guess. Um, get a little crazy out there. Um, to, to I guess I'll date this episode, but right now we're dealing with that a uh, Canadian wildfire smoke. Um, yeah. Particularly, particularly in New York City, it's really bad. Uh, where I am, it's not as bad, thankfully. But um, I did hear that. Um, I guess we, the U.S. has sent some people over to Canada to help out, so that's good. Hopefully that gets contained soon. Hmm. Now yeah. we're in a we're in New England. I remember stepping outside on a Tuesday, like after work. It was like I didn't know about the wildfire, so I stepped outside. And I was like wondering why the air was all smoky and why it was all like green outside. I was like, this is weird. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. It was it was smoky a couple days here. Um, like nothing awful, I guess, at least compared to say like Orange, New York. Um, but still pretty, pretty rough. Mm. 
Yeah. In fact, in fact, I don't know if you saw there was that um that funny picture somebody took of like in New York there's like the orange sky and there's a Diablo Four ad and it's like <laughs> oh that is what's the, the, like welcome to hell New York City I saw that yeah, <laughs> that, the best advertising Blizzard has ever had <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of Diablo Four I actually picked that up today yep. have you played it yet uh, no I only just grabbed it I'm probably gonna play it it's gonna go on a shelf. And it's no, 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 sit no. There. <laughs> so people actually want to play this one, and I'm thinking about starting a Diablo group in the server. So, ah, uh. trying to get some get some uh, multiplayer sessions going because, shocker, there's actually crossplay on this, and it's freaking about time. But yes, yeah. yeah, so I'm looking forward to trying that out. Um, me and Alex are actually in the middle of playing three right now, so that's oh, yeah. I'm curious to see how it holds up to uh, the third one. I've never touched a Diablo game, so I have no opinion. Um, four looks good, but seventy seems a bit much for me. So I'll probably wait on like a sale. Yeah. So what's funny is with three, I actually bought it because um, literally, I, so I was like a junior in high school, I think, when that came out, and I remember uh, like literally everybody in my grade bought it and was playing it, and I didn't want to be the only person not playing it, so I picked it up and ended up getting addicted to it because it, it's actually a surprisingly fun game i will only play four if the laser is in it <laughs> i hear there's a cow room as well oh nice yeah yeah i remember i got peer pressured into playing uh the call of duty <laughs> games back in the day so maybe showing my age a little bit but That's those were good See, I'm terrible at first-person shooters, so I always, like, died in them, and I was never <laughs> invited to play. Oh, oh, me too, but it's all about the fun, you know? doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, other than that, though, it's been mostly just the... just trying to get through the work weeks. I, I'm currently on the hunt for a house, so that's been my, uh... my prerogative the last month or so. Uh, Any luck it, so far? Uh, I've been outbid about three times now, so... It's unfortunately just the market right now. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's due to collapse any moment now. Oh, God. That's what I hear. Uh, and speaking of uh, massive collapses, uh, how about our topic for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> We're not at the 3D ones yet, okay? That is true. Although some of the 2D ones are... Uh, Questionable. We'll get to that. Well, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. So, uh, yeah, so actually, to get into our topic, we we've talked about it in the past, but we've done um for for this season we've actually been doing a a, couple, a bunch of uh, revisits where we've mm. been revisiting old topics from our first season of the podcast and kind of going over them now with like different opinions and we're bringing guest in guest perspective. guest perspectives as well. And Sonic was actually, I think our twenty fifth episode, like way back when. Was it? And I yeah, thought it was later. No, no, it was it was the twenty fifth episode, and I remember because we were gonna do it all in one part. We got through the classic games, and we were like, "This is not gonna be one part." So it, <laughs> it, it ended up being a two parter. Well, no, kind you were the one who was like, "Oh, we could do it in one," and I was like, "I don't think we can." And then like it was like an hour, and I was like, "Bill, we can't do this all at once." And you were like, "Okay, fine." But yeah. <laughs> so, so if anyone didn't guess, our topic for this episode is. Sonic the Hedgehog. Mario. Sonic. Mario. <laughs> no. The game. The gaming. Gaming journalist's favorite punching bag. <laughs> um, you know, 
Uh, sometimes it's deserved. A lot of the times it's a bit blown out of proportion. But yeah, <laughs> Sega's wonderful mascot. A um, blue rat. In a sense. <laughs> He's a hedgehog. <laughs> Same <Yep>. thing. No, <laughs> just kidding. He doesn't look anything like a hedgehog, but <laughs> take our word for it. So... For this episode, we're going to be strictly talking about the 2D games in the series because 2D Sonic and 3D Sonic are two very different things, as we've kind of alluded to. And also for time's sake, like there's a lot of 2D games and there's a lot of 3D games, and we kind of wanted to split the two mm. up for this. So I guess to start, I guess, um, Threk, what is your, uh, what was your first experience with Sonic? Hmm. Well, Sonic, weirdly enough, was probably the first game I ever played. Um, I remember okay. growing up um, in the living room uh, my parents' house, we had this really nice big wooden entertainment center. So like in the middle of it was a nice CRT. To the left of it was like a glass door that had a nice stereo system full of cassettes everywhere. And then below the TV, there was your VHS, later on VHS-DVD combo. Okay. And then to the right of it was the Sega Genesis, and there was an NES that hid behind it. And at the very bottom was a drawer. And when you opened the drawer, it was lined wall to wall with cased Genesis games. Mm. And we had controllers and some loose cart games. I don't know how some of them were loose carts, but um, um, my family had a lot of the sports games because we were my family's really into sports, so I played a lot of the Maddens and the NHLs and the World Series baseballs. Um, we had some weirder stuff like a uh, Booger Man, which I still, have, I still have a soft spot for that game. But we also had Sonic's one, two, three, and Spinball. I'm not sure why we didn't have in Knuckles, and I ended up getting that one later. But the first one I ever played was Sonic Two. I must have been about four or five years old, and Playing Sonic at that age really formulates a positive opinion on it, I, I should say. Because um, it feels like with Sonic, most people get who, ha who are, think positively about Sonic, it's because they played it as a kid and they have sort of that nostalgic connection mm. to it. Um, and I mean, I definitely had that with Sonic as well, because like jumping into Emerald Hill Zone is like the first thing you ever do in a Sonic game. And it's like, oh, it's so bright and colorful and, and it has a really good pace to it. And the music is great. I mean, just about every Sonic game has great music. Yeah. And, and, and it clicks in your head. Um, and I never beat Sonic 2 until many, many years later because I would always get stuck in Metropolis Zone, um, like most people. Hmm. But it kind of, yeah, became sort of my thing. And I remember I played then through Sonic 1, Sonic 3, Sonic Spinball. Um, funnily enough, it was the early 2000s, um, and for Christmas, my parents were like, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, oh, can I have like the, the new Sega console? This was like 2002, and the Dreamcast <laughs> was dead, and I guess they didn't have the heart to really explain it to me. So, And as I mentioned, we also had an NES, so I was like, oh, I'll get the next Nintendo console, and so I ended up getting the GameCube that I still have. Nice. But, but yeah, my first memory of Sonic was playing it on a CRT in the early 2000s, being just absolutely mesmerized by what I saw on the screen. And yeah, it was great. How about you? What was your first experience? So I'll save mine for last, because I, I don't remember Alex's very well. Alex, what was your first experience with Sonic? <laughs> I think my first experience with Sonic was, I think 
you had gotten a, either a PlayStation 3, I think it was a PlayStation 3, and one of the games you got was Sonic 06. And I just oh remember, my. I remember, I think that was like the first like Sonic game you really started playing. I first, just remember. I, 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 so preface, it was the first one I technically owned. Yeah, it was uh, the we'll, first we'll get, one. Bill we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> and I just want to remember, like, going in and like seeing you play it, and like seeing you like get visibly frustrated <laughs> at times, and then just being like, "Why are you still playing it?" And you're like, "Well, I because <laughs> I don't because, have anything else to play." Because that was when the PS3 came out, and there was literally four Nothing. games worth playing on it. <laughs> so I just remember- didn't play MotorStorm. I did. That was the only other game I... Well, that and Lego Star Wars, that was, like, all I had. <laughs> and I just remember that, and I remember Silver the Hedgehog vividly. <laughs> and, and yeah, that was my first experience, is just, like, Bill getting angry. <laughs> and yeah. then I'd just, like, come in and be like, you okay? And you'd be like, no! And then I'd leave, because you were so, in angry gamer mode. 2006, we were... We were still in elementary school at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine. Well, the good thing is with Sonic 06, you can only go up from there. That's true. Yeah. And we'll get to it in and the next it, episode. And it but... started making Bill like Sonic. <laughs> well, let me get into how I first discovered Sonic because it, it's actually a bit deeper than that. Oh. But um, we'll, we'll get more into 06 in the second part because that game has... Oh, there's a lot to say about Sonic 06. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> um, what do you mean? It's great. It's, it's the no best use. Sonic game ever made. <laughs> it's no use. Um, it is a masterpiece, but in a different way. <laughs> it's got a good soundtrack. <laughs> You'll hear that a lot in this episode. Um, so, yeah, going into my first experience with Sonic, it was actually kind of interesting how I first discovered the series. So I guess going back, Alex, you remember we used to be in that after school, like daycare kind of place because our parents were working and we had to uh, like in the cafeteria. No, no, this was we oh. we went on the bus and got dropped off. At, it was like this like daycare like building that we went to. Like, I forget what it was called. It was like a little mini school thing, basically just for after school for parents that had to work. I don't know. If you I, remember I don't remember. I have no memory of this. <laughs> Uh, it's the place. So going by our town, it's it's the place that was next to that's where the Dollar General is now. That building that was oh, over there. Oh, the place with like the the very playground. sketchy playground. Yeah, that was like in the that. woods. I feel yes. like children could get kidnapped there. Yeah, that Anyways, place. I can't I can't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we had I know to go what you're there. About. We had to go there every day after school because our parents worked really really late, and I remember this because that place sucked because like you would literally just show up and you literally were there basically just sitting around because you had nothing else to do. And I didn't have a lot of friends at that time. So I would kind of just hover around the, the PC that they had and kind of just get any chance I had to play that. And I always remember, cause for the most part, it was like your, your normal standard, like PC entertainment games for like kids. Like you had all the humongous entertainment games. You had like the living books. If people remember those. Oh, such um, good stuff. Yeah, but then it also had, believe it or not, like out of nowhere, it had a copy of the Sonic and Knuckles collection, if anyone remembers that. Uh, and the Sonic and Knuckles collection was a PC collection of Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles in one complete set. And I used to play that like nonstop all the time. And that was actually the first experience I had with Sonic itself. 
Uh, as for the series going from there, we always had PlayStation consoles. So, like, mm. unfortunately, most of the really good Sonic games never came out on PlayStation. Like, the first real one I remember coming to PlayStation was Sonic Heroes. And if you're playing Sonic Heroes on the PS2, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I didn't, like, get into another Sonic game until 06 later when I got it with my PS3. And uh, somehow it made me a fan. More on that later. So you didn't get the Mega Collection Plus for PS2? Nah, because we, we only had enough money to get specific games, and I would always buy RPGs just because they would last the longest. Yeah, mm. and the Sonic RPGs on the DS, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We might cover that game in the next part. Um, <laughs> a lot to say about that one, too. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, but so Sonic the Hedgehog, this series has a... It, it, it's best described as a roller coaster in a lot of ways. Um, but going back to its early days, it was actually pretty simple, uh, like of a series. Um, it was very much designed to be like Sega's competitor to Nintendo, to Mario, like hmm. from the, the ground mascot up. character. Well, because Alex Kidd wasn't working like at all, and Sega really I mean, needed he had some... the name Alex. What a shitty name. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> that's my name. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I'm hilarious. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sonic was literally designed to be like every like the anti-Mario in every way. He was blue because of Sega's logo. His shoes were inspired by Michael Jackson and Santa Claus. And he was just kind of edgier. And I remember like reading about it, like the early Sonic stuff. He had like they had like this band that Sonic was in, and like one of the band members was actually a prototype Ve Vector the Crocodile. Um, and he had a human girlfriend. It's weird how that's going to be a recurring topic as well. Do you know the name of that human girlfriend? I believe it was Madonna. That is correct. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, he Sonic also had a whole bunch of random uh, prototype designs. Like there was a like a rabbit, an armadillo, who later became the character Mighty. And funnily um, enough, that rabbit that grabbed things with its ears became the basis for Rystar. That is true. The hidden gem on the Sega Genesis. Mm. And then the other proposed mascot was a Theodore Roosevelt-looking man in pajamas, who later became Dr. Eggman, or Robotnik in the States. I always call him Robotnik. <laughs> As a Sonic comics reader, I, I tend to gravitate towards Robotnik, but I kind of flip and flop depending on the era like in the 3d games he's usually eggman in this era though he's very much robotnik to me in a lot of ways yeah i just think robotnik flows off the tongue better than eggman like <laughs> i know i know we're not talking the 3d games but to give sonic adventure one some credit they do a good job of introducing the name eggman to the north american audience yeah in that when you first see him they're just like oh look it's a giant talking egg it's an eggman yeah. You know? And, and I was an insult. I was remember because Dean Bristow just kind of like would blow it off and he'd be like, silence. <laughs> but um yeah, so Sonic One is interesting in a lot of ways. Like it's like the most like inconsistent of the classic Sonics, in my opinion, because like it starts yeah. off really fast, but then like it's kind of it a lot of the levels are pretty slow and very uh platformy. Like, with Sonic 1, I get the sense that they weren't quite sure what to do with the series. Like, they know they wanted it to be fast. They know they wanted you it gotta to be go sort back. of that edgy um, counterpart to Mario. 
But mm -hmm. I think because of the technology at the time and sort of the freshness, I guess they weren't too sure how to go with it. Because, yeah, one of the issues with Sonic, I find, is the level design kind of makes or breaks the game. Yeah. And Sonic 1 is, yeah, probably some of the most inconsistent level design I've ever seen. Because the opening Green Hill Zone is perfect. Mm -hmm. All three acts are fantastic. It's got great colors. The enemy placement is great. The music is great. The whole thing does a great job of showcasing why you should actually care about this blue anamorphic hedgehog. Um, and it's all, yeah, perfect. And there's a reason why we see Green Hill Zone replicated all the time. Mm. And, then, and then you hit Marble Zone. And as a kid, it never really dawned on me how rough Marble Zone actually is. Because I was just like, oh, it's the second zone, whatever, right? But... You know, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, this this is like, it completely slows down the pace of the game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. But coming off of Green Hill, it just feels like a complete 180. And I see why it would like turn people off. And if anything kind of hurt Sonic's reputation at the start, it would be Marble Zone. Because mm. so many people complain about that zone. I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be. But they like really hammer in how like rough of a um zone that it was um i really like starlight zone near the end that does a good job of sort of getting closer to that green hill zone style and mm -hmm. then the um i can't remember it it's the the carnival themed one oh, uh, spring yard spring yard yeah spring yard i think is really good as well um labyrinth i mean it's a water level so it's not very good in general and then i always didn't like scrap brain I always thought Scrap Brain was kind of iffy um, in its level design, but even still, it's quite a short game, so I think a lot of that stuff kind of flows by you pretty quickly. Mm. Um, uh, so, interesting fact about Sonic 1 too. Uh, this game actually has a speed cap programmed into it, uh, because Yuji Naka, apparently, like, the game was so fast when he was programming it that it actually made him sick. And he had... <laughs> programmed a speed cap into sonic's running speed which is why sonic kind of like feels slower than normal in this game uh and it's very apparent when you actually roll because when you uh roll in the game the speed cap is no longer engaged and that's when he starts like flying across the screen yeah and like the the screen doesn't like stay with him like he just like kind of hovers to the right yeah which is like in unintentionally a really good way of showcasing like the speed because it only happens occasionally mm. and it, it and it doesn't become a problem you know like say in green hill zone when you go down those tunnels and then it shoots you up into the the giant uh ring set at the, the at this in the middle of the air like it, it's it's a really cool like showpiece but yeah if the whole game played like that it would be it, it would be unplayable basically mm. So it, it's interesting too because they actually removed the speed cap from two onward, but like by then they designed the levels around it so it, it, it works very well. In one, you can actually there's ROM hacks of one that remove the speed cap and it actually makes the game super ridiculous to play in a lot of ways because uh, it wasn't programmed that way. I need to try that. I've never tried that. There's there's a ton of awesome Sonic 1 mods. Sonic 1 is very fascinating to me because like it does so many things different from the later games. Like the colors are a lot more muted like compared to like 2 onward. 
Um, it, it's it's the only one that uses three acts per zone as opposed to the later two acts. Mm-hmm. Sonic's um, sprite is different. He yeah. has like that almost like purple tint mm. to him. Mm. And there's no spin dash. That is also true. And there's only six Chaos Emeralds and they don't do anything. That is true. Uh, other than at the end of the game, it's like, oh, you really beat the game. <laughs> you get some pretty flowers. That's... Yeah. Who doesn't like pretty flowers? <laughs> See, I like it more when you don't get them all because then you just get to watch Eggman juggle them at the end and laugh at you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always fun. But speaking of the Chaos Emeralds, the, uh, the special stages in one are uh, not great. Um, I've never been a huge fan of them. The so, whole, like, the rotating maze thing. Yeah, so to explain this the best, uh, especially, so, Alex, I'm assuming you've probably never experienced these. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe through so, you or something. <laughs> yeah, so the best way to explain the, the special stages in Sonic, imagine a maze, and the maze just perpetually rotates, either left or right, and you can only sort of control your character going through it. Is it like the tube where you go? No, no, no. That's oh, okay. that's that's later. Th- okay. This is literally like Sonic is like in it, it's still in 2D and it's like the maze just kind of moves on it like its own mm-hmm. and you have to kind of manipulate Sonic through it but it doesn't really control great. It doesn't really work. <laughs> no. There's these little bumpers too that like speed it up or slow it down. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's <laughs> Just what you need when you're trying to intricately turn every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> My favorite is when you get into the special stage, you hit a bumper and then go right into the end blocks and you just go, great. <laughs> womp womp. Yeah. yeah, it took them a while to really get the special stage. Well, they kind of experimented with the special stages kind of throughout the series, but mm. you know, I, th- I think they hit the, the, the really good one later. Yeah. But we'll, but we'll get there. We'll get Is that there. the tube one? Uh, <laughs> not, well, I don't, I don't know Thrax's opinion yet, so we'll find out. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what's fun here is going from Sonic One. I guess we'll detour now into the eight-bit version of Sonic One, which came out shortly after it. Have you ever played the eight-bit version, Thrax? Oh yes, I have. I actually beat the Master System version of it, and. I, I, I guess it's a bit of a hot take, but I actually kind of like it um, because it's a completely different kind of game. Mm. Um, it's it's closer to like more of like a Mario style game in terms of like the level design and it's a little bit more mazy and intricate and there's a lot of weird things that are different. Um, like there's an auto scroll level, yep. Which Sonic auto scroller terrible idea. But, it's, um, but the thing is, it's bridge zone, and I love bridge zone, so I I look the other way. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, and yeah, it's it's very weird, but I don't I don't necessarily hate it. Hmm. Um, in a weird way, it's it feels sort of like the swan song for the Master System because hmm. it was like if I'm correct on this it was the last game sega made for the master system in like like first party i believe so and it was definitely the last game that released in north america yes so the master system still lives that system has never died yeah it's still going strong in brazil Um, yeah yeah hell yeah and, so um, it gets a little confusing though because the master system did go on for many more years in europe as well and Sega still technically released a lot of Game Gear games for it. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if those are considered first party or not, but the first, the last official made from scratch for the mass system, I believe was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, which feels fitting, you know? And then the Game Gear version is just the exact same game, but with the smaller screen. So you have to deal with, like, screen crunch. So I've played both, and I don't find the screen crunch super annoying in uh, Sonic 1 in particular. Yeah, yeah, I, I think in, say, like, Sonic 2, it's a bit rougher <laughs> yeah. for me. So, um, But speaking of different versions of Sonic 1, have you played that that amazing Game Boy Advance port? Yes, I, I have. <laughs> um, mm. So, Alex, do you know about the Game Boy Advance version of uh, Sonic um, 1? Possibly. <laughs> so, well, it's related to Sonic 06. It is. Oh, Sonic's nice. best It must be great ever. then. <laughs> um, so, for people who don't know, the game that we're referring to is commonly referred to as Sonic Genesis. Oh, I've heard you talk about this. Yeah. So, Sonic Genesis was one of four games released for Sonic's 15th anniversary sonic's best anniversary in my opinion <laughs> that's very what being, a time. Sar- being very sarcastic um so we got we got obviously the previously mentioned sonic 06 we got sonic genesis a great game <laughs> sonic riders uh arguably the best thing to come out of that the 15th <laughs> anniversary, depending on who you ask was that the first riders yes yeah okay and then sonic rivals which Sonic Rivals. Well, actually, we'll get to that later in the, in this episode. But uh, yeah, it was. It's a game. It's uh, fine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll 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 get to it. Um, but yeah, so the fifteenth anniversary for Sonic was not good for the Hedgehog in a lot of ways, and it was Gen- iconic. Yeah. So Sonic Genesis is essentially a port of Sonic One for the Game Boy Advance in 2006 so this was like really late like the ds was already like three years old by this point oh damn yeah um so this game sonic genesis is like the physics are completely wrong the music sounds atrocious the the screen is crunched in ridiculously everything about it is broken and it it's like it's like you had a first year programming coding student at like a community college I like mean, it's Sega, Sega was like, "Hey, <laughs> could you convert this Genesis game to the GBA?" And they were just, and they shrugged their shoulders, uh, shrug shoulder emoji, and, and and they did it, and we got what we got. Maybe but they weird... maybe they gave it to an intern. They're so, like, "Intern, will you that's, port?" <laughs> that's the, that's the fun part about Sonic Genesis. We don't know who made it, and they'll never an tell intern. Us. An intern did it. <laughs> it was well their final been. project, like, and they funny. did not get the job after. It's funny when because that game's credits they just lifts the credits from Sonic One, so there's no actual like anywhere in the game which says who made it, and people have been like trying to figure this out for years because like th- one of the strongest rumors about why this game is so bad is apparently it runs off of the Sonic Advance engine, but yeah. the Advance engine wasn't designed to run a Genesis emulator. <laughs> so it, it just, it doesn't, it, it's like just broken in every way. And it's really impressive and also really baffling. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, incredibly poorly optimized. And it's not like the Game Boy Advance couldn't handle it. You know, so, you could you could play Yoshi's Island on the thing. So, so it's yeah. not like... 
it couldn't handle it. What's a fun fact is there. So there's a little guy, like a, an in, independent programmer named Stealth. You, you, mm-hmm. He might come up in this list later, well, this episode later. He actually Just maybe he actually made a proof of concept uh, version of Green Hill Zone running on Game Boy Advance hardware that plays and sounds identical to Sonic One, and basically he <laughs> did it as a middle finger to Sega, just to say it is possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily a middle finger, but like, I mean, we could talk about how like the Sonic fan community is just so dedicated to it that mm. they will fix games. Oh yeah, like, this is this isn't the only instance. I mean, they fixed of the, the movie. fans <laughs> fixing the game. They, <laughs> they did fix the movie, <laughs> but this isn't the first time where they've like said, "Oh, we're gonna just we'll fix the game for you. Don't worry about it." And Sega, unlike Nintendo, are totally cool with it, and yeah. and 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 in some cases even hire them. Yeah, <laughs> well, more on that later. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's fun about Sega is as long as you're not like directly like interfering with a project they're working on, like at the time, they don't care what you do with their shit. Mm. Like they're, they're like, yeah, whatever, fan game, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's one of the things I love about Sega. Mm. Now, if you were making a game based directly off something that they were currently working on, I think they might have a problem, but that makes a lot of sense because it's something they're trying to make money off of. Hmm. So, but yeah, so moving on now. So I believe the next Sonic game officially released was Sonic CD. Uh, no, it would be Sonic 2. Right. Oh yeah, right. That's right, actually, (laughs) because Sonic 2 was uh, November 92. They, and then CD didn't come out till November '93. That's right. What what I was thinking was they were developed at the same time. Mm. Yes, because so this is where it gets. This is so Sonic's development is very confusing, and so basically what happened here was half of Sonic Team in Japan decided to go to America and work with the Sega Technical Institute. The rest of the team stayed in Japan. So the team that went to America which had Yuji Naka involved, started working on Sonic 2. The rest of the team back in Japan, which featured uh, Naoto Oshima, started working on uh, Sonic CD. And Naoto Oshima is known for being the guy who won that uh, se- that fit that uh, contest within Sega to make the mascot. He was the original hmm. designer for him. And then Yuji Naka, recent uh recent convicted man yeah. um was the <laughs> original uh programmer for sonic to make it all work and it was the two guys coming together to really make it work i mean of course there's other people involved with making um sonic work the way it does but those are like the two guys who really made it work yes. and yeah yuji yuji naka was not a fan of sega of japan no he was not and so that's why he moved to San Francisco to at first Sega of America to then become essentially the Sonic dev team. In fact, that's where Sonic uh, Sonic Team exists, I believe. Or I think that's where it started, and then I think it's in Japan now. So the main operations are in Japan, but for the majority of their existence, they were actually in America for a long time. Hmm. Uh, it, it gets really confusing. The, the history... <laughs> This completely breaks off of Sonic and goes into Sega territory in general, but the the complicated relationship between Sonic uh, Sega of America and Sega of Japan is Sonic of America. <laughs> yes, Sonic of America. Um, it's very very complex, and it's literally two sides of the of the same company that hate each other, and 
basically. <laughs> Constantly try to step on each other's toes. Yeah, it, it's basically why Sega doesn't make hardware anymore. Yes. Um, but that's a whole nother topic in and of itself. But, yep. So but yes, but Sonic Team is based in Japan. Yes. So there you I, go. So I guess getting into Sonic 2 now, I actually think the Game Gear, ver- well, Master System Game Gear version actually predates the original. Um, it kind of depends on who you ask. I believe it, it, it was the first official appearance of Tails. Yes. And Tails dies in that game, and it's great. Oh, um, oh no. Like, for good? Or no. <laughs> just you as the, you're playing? If you get the bad ending, it's implied Tails died. Could, could, you imagine, could you imagine if that was canon that he died and then all the, to- on all the times we've seen Tails since then? It's just this it's, ghost it's like haunting he's either, a, he's either a ghost or he's like a premonition in Sonic's mind, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so it's like Sonic, he's like talking to Tails and then people look fast. in the back and they're no. like, who is he talking to? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. God, that game just, I don't want to go too deep into Sonic 2 Game Gear uh, Master System, but that game it is, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So I played the Game Gear version mostly because I haven't imported over the Master System version yet. But um, my God, the screen is so t- like crunched in. Like you die on everything. Like it's unnecessarily hard. Um, the hang gliders suck. <laughs> A whole bunch of shit. I do like yes. green. I do like Green Hills Zone though. But not Green Hill. Green Hills Zone. Hills. Um. It's not even the first zone in the game. No, it's not. It's like one of the rare Sonic games that starts with like an underground, like rocky level. Like a, it's a minecart level, and like <laughs> it's, and yeah, with the Game Gear screen crunch, it's just not good because you can't <laughs> time it crunch. at all. You know, yeah. it's it's you know it it's no Resident Evil Four minecart section. I can tell you that much. Yeah, the only significant thing about Sonic Two Game Gear was. It was actually developed, the first Sonic game to be developed by a company called Aspect, who would develop the majority of the handheld Sonic games for the Game Gear. Um, The first handheld uh, Game Gear Sonic game was actually developed by uh, Yuzo Koshiro's company, Ancient, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. The the icon, Yuzo Koshiro. And he did the soundtrack for that game, and he's the reason why we have the bangers such as like Bridge Zone and uh, Treetop Zone. Yeah. Not not to get off topic, but that man better be involved in the Streets of Rage movie. Or there's no point. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad he did the title screen for Streets of Rage 4, but... Ah, oh, so good. Anyways, so, moving on. Sonic 2 is, in a lot of ways, the definitive Sonic game in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, in a way, it is when you think Sonic, like, I think people think about the first game, but it's really the second game mm. that is the one they're thinking about. Because, mm. yeah, there's... I don't know why Sonic 2 was the first one I ever picked. It might have been when I was pulling the cases out, like the cover of Sonic 2 is just so good. You know, I mean, you have the black holes of Robotnik's eyes, lack of (laughs) eyes. And he's like, and he's just squeezing the hell out of that checkerboard too. And then you have Sonic and Tails in front just being like, yeah, whatever, chili dogs. And it's such a, in a way it is like an iconic image, more so than like the first game. Because, like, I think the first game's cover art, I think probably, like, the European version would be my preferred favorite. Um, I, but... I will say, those son- uh, tails, tails kind of look like they fell on the ground and they're not attached to him. <laughs> Is yeah. it just me? Or does it look like they just fell off and they're just on the ground? 
Um. <laughs> Sorry. I looked at it for a second. I was like, did his tails fall off? Did tails, tails fall off? Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I'm great. In, it, in, in any case, um, yeah, Sonic 2 is very iconic because it introduces Tails, or his full name, Miles Tails Prower. An obvious mm-hmm. pun is obvious. And... And yeah, it's just it, they learned a lot of the lessons from Sonic One, and it's kind of you know iffy level design and stuff, and made a much more solid game. There's more zones, but there's less acts. Um, to me, like I think all the zones are iconic. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like you have Emerald Hill, which is great, but Chemical Plant, love me some Chemical Plant. Um, Mystic even Ruin, like Mystic Ruin, uh, Oil Ocean. Um, and then that levels that game's casino stage. I can't remember. I can't casino remember night. Casino night. Yeah. Um. That one with the slots and everything. Just. I know this game front and back. So <laughs> it's just it's a banger. It's so good. Have you ever? Um, uh, did you ever experience the Megasonic glitch? No, I never did. So it's a glitch in Oil Ocean Zone where there's a very specific cannon that if you if you fall into the, so if you're in that cannon. If you jump out of the cannon into a set of spikes that's right next to it and then fall back inside the cannon, the game's programming completely glitches out and Sonic runs three times faster and jumps three times higher for no reason. (laughs) It is the most hilarious shit ever. I've only ever done it like twice, but when it happens, it's amazing. Does he stay that way the whole game? No, as soon as the zone ends, it goes away. But it's like for this one zone, you can just jump across everything. It's great. give him like moon jumping or something that's crazy so it's not like super broken but it's enough that it's like it's noticeable like because it completely messes the physics up too and it 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 just gets ridiculous it's it's actually it's like so imagine like a slightly higher jump than uh like supersonic it's basically like you're supersonic but faster it can jump higher and it doesn't go away super duper sonic (laughs) yeah uh, speaking though, that's another thing that this game introduced: uh, Supersonic for the first yes. time. Yes, yes, yes. Goku ass Sonic. Um, <laughs> the, but the, 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 and, it, and it. Oh, go on. And and also um, because it gives you the seventh Chaos Emerald, and I guess they realized that oh, we should probably like do something with collecting all the Chaos Emeralds. Like, what should we do? And maybe one of them was just happened to watch Dragon Ball Z and we're like, guys, I got it. Yep. I got it. His hair looks the same. Let's make it his whole body. And and yeah, Supersonic came to be. Mm. Um, one of many Dragon Ball references in this series. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it goes to show the impact Dragon Ball has had on like not necessarily just Japanese culture, but I think just kind of culture as a whole. Mm. Um because it's really, in a way, it's one of the earliest like references of it, as far as like like Western people picking it out, you know. Hmm. Um, and I know we didn't mention it with Sonic One, but I'll mention it here as well. Both games were composed by Masato Nakamura, yes, no, um, from the J-pop band Dreams Come True, which I've listened to a bit of them, and they're fine. But the but yeah, his soundtrack composition in One and Two is just so good. It is. Um, it's also the so unlike most Sega composers, also he actually owns the rights to all his music in these games, and that is one of the reasons why you we, you rarely ever hear like Green Hill Zone, the original Sonic like theme, 
or the original ending theme because Sega doesn't actually own the rights and they have to pay money to use those. Yeah, even if they do like remixes for him in later games. Mm. So good on him. Good <laughs> on him. Smart. In fact, <laughs> in fact, there's a um, a soundtrack compilation of both games. Um, he put it out. I think it was in like 2011 or something like that, where it's both games soundtracks in full. So like mm-hmm. all the level music, even like the sound effect, like you get the sound effect clips, and then there's um, you get all the demo versions. So it's like him composing them like with the real instruments that he had, like the keyboards and drum machines, which are, excuse me, are (laughs) interesting looks like kind of rough ideas of them. And then they take, um, because I know Dreams Come True, they took one of the Sonic tracks that he had done and made a vocal song for it. Mm. And I forget which one it is off the top of my head, but that's also included in there as well. So it's a a pretty... um, uh, packed um, compilation that I'd mm. recommend you check out. You can find it on like YouTube and Spotify. I have the physical CD version because I'm a re- weirdo. But, um, but <laughs> Look, looks over at my wall of Persona soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great soundtrack, so can't deny that. Um, oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. That's what it was. The it's the ending theme for Sonic Two that got remixed. It's called yep. Sweet, Sweet, Sweet. And then, and then there was a, another remix of it later on in 06 with Akon for some reason. Yep. Why not? That's, in, that, that's included on that compilation as well. <laughs> awesome. Anyone remember Akon? No? Okay. Yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> yep. Didn't he oh, do man. the Get Low song? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Akon? <laughs> I, I only know. know. I only know Akon from Sonic 06. So. Uh, this isn't a music podcast. I know. Nope. <laughs> Not today. But, um, yeah, so Sonic 2, to me, is almost, like, pretty much a perfect game. I think it's one blemish is Metropolis Zone can be a pain in the ass sometimes. That's about it, really. Sometimes? <laughs> you want to talk about some bad enemy placement and yeah. annoying bullshit that exists <laughs> just to irritate the player which is a very common thing in that era yeah like the grasshopper slicers the, the slicers yeah the 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 crabs um starfish thank the starfish the the fact that near the end of the zones it becomes like a maze and it's yep. like i've seen this before um like usually sonic games are good with the level design at sort of tunneling you to the end um, there are multiple ways to get to the end, of course, and you're rewarded if you can go the high one more often than not. Hmm. But Metropolis Zone, they do that thing that I really don't like in Sonic games, and that's when the level design is mazy. Yep. Like, <laughs> like the way Sonic is meant to be doesn't really work with mazes and being like, which way am I supposed to go? It just doesn't work. Yeah. Even Even when you know the game really well, it's still can be a challenge so so another thing from sonic 2 that we should bring up because it's a very common recurring factor is the special stages and that is this was the introduction of the half pipe style ones these are the ones you were talking about alex where yep yep um (laughs) so yeah these ones essentially are sonic runs down a half pipe and you have to collect a bunch of rings and avoid a bunch of spike balls. Um, 
kind of cool graphically at the t- for 92. Uh, I hate these special stages, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty bad. Um, and Sega yeah. like, keeps re- reusing them in every Sonic game now. The, the pre-rendered 3D graphics, yes, are very impressive for 1992. Um, I love that tune. Um, and when you are able to memorize them and actually clear them, it is very, very accomplishing. Because mm. they base themselves basically on Sonic's whole gameplay philosophy, which is trial and error. Yes. But but yeah, with the special stages, the problem is like the draw distance doesn't even exist. So <laughs> yeah. you just have to kind of draw like a map in your brain mm-hmm. about, you know, how I'm going to get there. And it wasn't until the the full-on remake of it in like 2013 or whatever the the original mobile phone remake that's now in the sonic origins collection that i was actually able to complete the special stages for the first time because it's much smoother the draw distance is so much better and it's way easier to calculate where you're going to be because on the genesis version the original version i couldn't get past stage four to save my life just couldn't do it yeah you know you could say skill issue Mm. but it was just it was just tough to do and i didn't want to i don't have the attention span to just sit there and figure it out so so i actually like i've only ever gotten all the chaos emeralds once mostly because i i actually think this game has a better ending if you don't have the chaos emeralds uh because tails rescues sonic when he falls from the death egg at the end which is i just think a nicer ending yeah um i will say we're not going to be covering it in this episode because it's technically a 3d game, but the best implement, sorry, implementation of the, uh, the half pipe special stages was in the Saturn version of 3d blast where they're like full 3d and they just, they're freaking epic. Yes. Those are pretty good. Other than that though, cool, impressive for the time, but I can't stand them. And then I just find them so boring that they keep reusing the concept nowadays. I think just because it's it perfectly encapsulates Sonic in like a special stage kind of way because yeah. it puts the camera right behind him, it gives you that 3D perspective, you still have the sense of speed, and it's easy just to, you know, make it sort of the, oh, go get the rings here, oh, avoid the bombs here, oh, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the cut content from Sonic 2? Because it's kind of famous. Yeah, they're... the stuff they left out. So, Alex, do you know about this? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so Sonic Two has like almost an entire game's worth of cut content. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of beta versions that have been leaked online that are different and have different level arrangements. Hmm. Um, there was the famous hidden palace zone that was supposed to be in the game, but it was just cut entirely. Though the the song for it still exists in the original cartridge is like, you know, is part of the sound test. And when they did that remake that I mentioned, they brought it back. Yep. Cause there's that horrible bottomless pit in mystic cave zone, which is just, to me, that feels like a design oversight. Like who thought that was a good idea? Oh, that was and, totally a design oversight. Like there's yeah. no way they thought, Oh, someone could get stuck down here. Oops. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Like a, basically a bottomless pit, but with spikes <laughs> there. So you have to sit there and die. But in the remake, they take the spikes out, and if you fall down, you actually play Hidden Palace Zone and fight a boss, which is really cool. Mm. There was also a sort of desert level that has a screenshot that never came to be, though I think they reference it in a later um, 
a later level in Sonic Mania. I believe that desert level is based on that. There was also Winter Zone, which was like... It's apparently just the same thing as the desert level, but it had Christmas trees in the background. That's all we really know about it. Why not? There was a a lot of ideas floating around for Sonic 2, um, which I think goes to show how excited the dev team were to make the game and what they wanted to do with Sonic 2 as well. Mm. So... And meanwhile, on the other side of the pond, um, Sega was also making another game for the series for uh, their other piece of hardware that they were trying to push at the time called uh, Sonic CD. If I recall correctly, I think Sonic CD and Sonic 2 were sort of in competition for what was going to be Sonic 2. Yes. And the American one turned out to be the, the better game of the two. So that became Sonic 2. And then they let the team work on this for the Sega CD as um, it almost feels like a side game, even though it's part of the main line. Yeah. So Sonic CD, I guess the best explain it is it's very much a traditional 2D Sonic game, but it, it has an interesting time travel mechanic where to get through the game, you have multiple ways of progressing. Like there's multiple options you can do. And what's cool is you can like go to, either a past present or future version of each level and depending on what route you want to take you can either go back in time and destroy these robot generators to uh, stop the robot invasion of the past or you can just ignore it all go to the end of the level and get the bad ending or the easiest way is getting the chaos not chaos emeralds the time stones which automatically give you the good ending and the game has a very like non-linear, almost like Metroid-ish kind of design where their levels are very open-ended and expansive and not so much left to right, which for a Sonic game isn't the best design, but this is still in the early times where they weren't really sure what they were doing yet. It's a unique idea, but exploration and Sonic don't really seem to go well together unless the exploration is complementing the sort of the speed you know because yeah sonic cd the maps are huge and very impressive Mm. because it's showing off the hardware of of the sega cd so they can have these big giant levels with some extra details and like these expanded color palette and uh the cd soundtrack which the japan one i think is better than north american one but both are still really good But but it leads to a game that is kind of as you mentioned bloated and almost unfocused in a way that they yeah. were, I think, got more excited about the hardware than necessarily the game. But Sonic CD is notable because it introduces Amy and Metal mm. Sonic. Yes. Two controversial characters in the series. <laughs> and to be fair, I think they're all controversial in their own way or another. Um, <laughs> and it's so weird that people, some people would say... Them. Yeah, it's weird that some people would say Sonic CD is, like, the best one. So I actually have a theory behind that. My The way I've always seen it was because Sonic CD was such a hard game to experience back in the day, because for the longest time, the only way to play this game was on a Sega CD or if you happen to have the PC port. I think a lot of people, like, there was, like, maybe the three people that had played it really enjoyed it and, like, would hype it up as like the best Sonic game ever made. And I think it kind of just got this kind of mystique behind it where like people like just assumed it was like this amazing game. And then they actually played it and were like, 
Yeah, I'm not sure. That it's almost as like it was a hidden gem because mm. yeah, most people probably played the Genesis Sonic games and were like, oh, I want another like 2D style Sonic game, and it's like, oh, there was this one all along, and. And yeah, it, it I think it's fine. Like it has a different spin dash to it. There's like two different kinds it's of spin got, dashes. Yeah, it's got the um, proto spin dash where like you have to it like takes forever to charge up and Yeah, like the screen moves over. And then there's also another one where you can do that, but it's just like Sonic and his legs spin real fast, like he's just running normally. The uh the super peel out. Um I yeah. love I love that sprite. Like the sprite for it is amazing, but Oh yeah literally if when you use that thing all you do is you let it go and then you just hold down so he goes into a ball so it's basically just a spin dash yeah it's basically useless yeah um there's a lot of fluff in sonic cd not mm. enough substance um some good levels some good level designs um cool level there. Theme, cool level themes in particular oh yeah like as i mentioned the japanese soundtrack is phenomenal actually like, let's uh holy crap let's let's talk about the soundtracks for a minute uh so you guys may have noticed that Thrak mentioned the Japanese soundtrack, well, Japanese slash European soundtrack. Um, for whatever reason, this game had two different soundtracks, one in Japan and Europe, and then the other in North America, which was the one that I think a lot of Americans are most familiar with. Um, I would say so. I still, to this day, have no idea why they changed the soundtrack. It's never really, yeah. never been explained. Um... So, the only thing the only thing I could find is one of the guys who made the North American soundtrack had said that it needed a more rich and complex soundtrack, whatever that means. So the, the that's guy, what they were told. Yeah. So the guy who did the North American soundtrack was a man named uh, Spencer Nielsen, mm -hmm. and I, I'll give him props. The North American soundtrack is very good as well. I actually think. In a perfect world, like they would have given us like some sort of like toggle switch thing where we could pick which songs we wanted. Because I like certain songs from the North American version, and I like certain songs from the Japanese version more. It's kind of yeah. one of those things. Like I think uh, the the weird like roller coasterish level later in the game, uh, I prefer the American soundtrack for sure. Because um, like the Japanese one has this real like heavy like techno house music vibe to it you know like it's almost kind of intense and then the american version is much more laid back yeah and almost kind of like tropical in a way it's also um, very, very bass heavy like a lot of bass yeah uh and my but i will say though the japanese soundtrack has the greatest boss battle theme ever yes oh uh, my god have you you ever heard it alex uh maybe so <laughs> you might have imagine imagine like so the in the american version it's like this very sinister like kind of like dark sounding theme yeah it, it has the laughter the her, 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 her. yeah oh i know what you're talking about <laughs> in in japan though it is literally like a hype man and like this rapper and like it's literally like this like guitar riff and it just like this guy in the background singing like work that sucker to death <laughs> just oh you've played this for me it's the most unfitting thing for a boss theme, but I love it. It's so crazy. It, 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 weirdly enough, I feel like it would fit more in like the adventure era. Yeah, probably. Because we, we've gotten Sonic Rap tunes later. But That, that is true. Um, and one other thing about Sonic CD that I really... Well, I guess we should mention is the animated cutscenes. 
Yes, yes. The um, I forget who did them, but they're the intro and the outro, and I mean they're cool and all, but they don't really add anything. You know, no. like I I never even I, th- I think the first time I ever played Sonic CD was the. I think it was the the Sonic Gems collection version. That's how because, most people did. Because yeah, Sonic CD was left off of the Mega Collection for whatever reason, and so with the Gems collection, I mean, it was essentially an excuse to do Sonic CD, and then they just threw a couple random games in there and called it a day. Um, if I remember correctly, that one doesn't have those animated cutscenes. At least I don't remember them. And it wasn't until many years when I actually, you know, played it again, probably somewhere different, that I saw those animated cutscenes. And they're nice. I mean, they're kind of what you expect, you know, Sonic running really fast, hitting things, you know, running up that chain to the uh, the death egg that's somehow chained to the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, very cool, very epic, very Sonic, but, you know, it doesn't add anything. If anything, it kind of sets the template for what Sonic would be in a more sort of an animated setting. Like, you know, mm. how would they show it without you playing the game? Yeah. It also gave us two of um, a first for the series, which would become a recurring thing, uh, vocal tracks. Um, in the American version, we got the heavily iconic Sonic Boom song. Sonic Boom, Sonic Boom. Love that song. Yep. And then my my, all their, my also favorite is uh, in Japan, we got uh, You Can Do Anything, which was the classic uh, Toot Toot Sonic Warrior song. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. With uh, so I was on another podcast a while back, and the uh, one of the hosts of the show literally like he thought for the longest time that that was Eddie Murphy singing the song for some reason. <laughs> I have no idea, but I, I mean, Sonic does want to party all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't want to go too deep into the Game Gear games going forward because the only other ones we really have are like sonic chaos which is an incredibly short one and then triple trouble which is mostly notable for uh introducing a knack the weasel i mean that's i mean that's why it's important it introduces everyone's favorite (laughs) knack the weasel or fang fang the sniper as some would say yeah yeah fang the sniper yeah he he, he's he's my pick in sonic the fighters yeah and he's he's weirdly relevant again because he keeps appearing and shit he has a a cowboy hat and a gun like what's more american than that (laughs) um yeah so those games they're they exist they're okay the level design is kind of meh that's like my, my big problem with the Game Gear Sonic games. The level design is just, eh. It's not awful, but not great. You can tell that Sega did not put as much of emphasis on the Game Gear stuff as the Genesis stuff. Yeah. Which, like, weirdly enough, I think like Sega and also Sony had that issue when they were making their like handheld rivals to Nintendo. Is that the first party games that were on those? You know, you can tell they were made by the B teams. Yes. Whereas with the Game Boy line and the DS line, Nintendo's like, no, these games are just as important. Mm. Like, we're going to give you Link's Awakening, like a full Zelda adventure on a Game Boy. You know? Like, Sega wasn't going to do that with, like, a Fantasy Star or, like, no. a Beyond Oasis. So, yeah. Like, the, the Game Gear and, by extension, Master System games definitely feel lesser and not as important which no, is a definitely. shame, I think, because you could have done some really cool stuff with them. But we'll get good handheld Sonic games later. Yeah. <laughs> so 
moving on now to the final Sonic game of the Genesis and Classic era, uh, Sonic Three. I yeah. I I. I eh, eh, eh. Hmm? Sonic Three and Knuckles. Yes. So. <laughs> I love Sonic 3, and so this is where it gets confusing, so Sonic 3 was supposed to be, like, this mega game that was, like, huge. And the Mega Drive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Sega, unfortunately, technology wasn't there at the time for Sega to make this, like, mega cartridge. At least do it cheaply. So Sega actually comes up with this genius idea to split the game in half, but then give you a way to combine it together, and then make a marketing gimmick out of it. To sell more, which at the which sounds dumb nowadays, but at the time, that was really freaking cool. It's the lock-on cartridge. Yeah, lock-on technology trademark, as they said. Which is weird because lock-on like cartridges, like a cartridge that you put another cartridge on top of, had existed for years before that, but in a more like unofficial fashion. Yes, you know, to to veer off completely, um, the the when the company wisdom tree existed and they were oh, making Bi- Bi- bible games and everything <laughs> you would have to put like say for their doom clone where you play as noah you'd have to put a super nintendo game on top of it so it could override the lockout chip and play the game super noah's ark 3d i love the yes i don't know if it's ever been confirmed but i love the story behind that where where it gave uh wisdom tree the doom engine just because they were mad that like they made that crappy version of wolfenstein on the snes i'm pretty sure that's not true um Mm. in fact i read a book i'll have to send you the link to it that's essentially the history of wisdom tree okay and they go in detail about that and if i remember correctly that wasn't the case i think it was um wisdom tree just bought uh the source code from id for wolfenstein 3d to make the game on and it's like yeah sure we'll take your money if I recall correctly, but the the history of Wisdom Tree, not to get too off topic, is a very fascinating one. I can um, imagine. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you the link to the book. It's it's a really good read. Cool. Yeah, I can imagine. That's probably the more log- logical reason. I just kind. Of, it's the less fun reason, though. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. But wow. yeah, it was it was like if I recall, it's the only time lock on technology has been used officially. It was with Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, and. So. What what what's very interesting is the way that they did it was really clever, because Sonic Three initially comes out and it, Sonic Three is a surprisingly short game by itself. You'll understand why later, uh, but as you play through the game, there is a lot of like stuff in it that like you see like these like passageways that you can't clear for whatever reason, and all these sorts of like things that like don't make a lot of sense, that just you kind of question and it's like, huh, this feels unfinished turns out it's because it was unfinished and that the second half of the game just wasn't ready yet and I'm, oh, go on i'm pretty sure they both were ready it was oh, just maybe they split it up because of as you said the technology constraints at the time yeah I, I think that's what it was i think they were trying to figure out a way to properly do it or something like that yeah i believe the original concept for sonic 3 was a isometric 3d game like say a Sonic 3D Blast. So that was the original idea. I believe that rumor that was a rumor that actually got debunked because I believe okay. the because there is actually a uh, I I know the isometric game that um, you're talking about because I believe that is actually believe it or not one of the many prototypes of what eventually became Sonic Extreme. It it very well could have been like maybe the planning stages for Sonic Extreme could have been in Sonic Three. 
where they were like, hey, we have the half pipe that has the 3D. What if we try a whole game in 3D? Yeah. And I think by this point, like Donkey Kong Country was out. Mm-hmm. So doing like pre-rendered 3D graphics was possible. Yes. So it probably was an idea in their head. So going back to Sonic 3, though, this game is probably... So a lot of people prefer 2. I honestly prefer 3, though. I think that's like peak 2D Sonic in a lot of ways. And 3 introduces so many things to the series, including most famously uh, the introduction of Knuckles the Echidna. Good old Suckles. (laughs) Why is he so dumb? (laughs) I don't know. Why is he creeping in the bushes? Uh, yes. <laughs> they cover because, because he's mysterious, you know? You don't know his story until you play the game and you figure out what he's doing and why he's there. <laughs> why he's creeping purpose. in the bushes. So he a lot of it when for all the uh the Dragon Ball clichés that they like to attach to Sonic, originally he was like the Vegeta and then they actually made a Vegeta later on. And then Knuckles, <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles got like demoted to like piccolo or whatever but that's um, a good way of describing it yeah yeah so knuckles is essentially the antagonist slash dual like dual intra and co co-protagonist whatever it is like i don't know the word right now um, lawful neutral yes um so what's cool about sonic 3 and knuckles is when you attach the games together it literally becomes this one massive sonic game like God, it's like 12 stages, I think. It's 12 stages long. I believe so. And all the stages are big. They like are. Big, but like not so big like, say, Sonic CD, where they're just kind of like ridiculous. They're all still made very in that style of like having it be linear with different paths, but it all kind of funnels you to where you need to go. Mm. And in a way, it's almost like a master class of 2D platforming, this game. Yeah, because this now not not to get too uh, excited, but Sonic Three and Knuckles is probably my favorite game of all time. Oh, nice! Uh, it's, it's a tie between this and Half Life Two. I kind of go between them, but this is just when I played Sonic Three as a kid. To me, this is it felt right. It felt like all the mistakes they had made in Sonic One and Two were corrected here, and it just like I love the. The graphics, I love the sprite for Sonic here. I like the little invincibility shield you can create when you jump in the air. Introduces the elemental shields, which are great. Um, Tails is much more easy to control, especially if you try to do the co-op two-player with it. Oh, um, me and Alex know all about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Knuckles is a great addition. Um, probably the last Sonic edition that most people seem to really like. And he's done in such a a really clever way and that like you don't know his deal except he's just messing with you and then when you end sonic 3 it's like yeah like he falls off and you're like yeah i got you but then when you go to sonic and knuckles he becomes a little bit more sympathetic because you see like mushroom hill zone you find where like the master hyper emeralds are sitting and then later on when you get to sky sanctuary you learn about knuckles and that Oh, he's just def- he's supposed to be defending the Chaos Emeralds, mm. and he was tricked by Robotnik to um, protect them from you because he was like, "No, you're trying like Sonic's trying to steal them. I'm actually trying to help you, Knuckles." But in reality, he was just using Knuckles to get them, and all of that is told visually. Mm. There's no there's no 
corny dialogue. There's no text bubbles, nothing. It is just all pure visuals and just storytelling through gameplay. And I guess a lot of people don't really talk about it with Sonic 3 because that's one of my favorite parts about it is how the sort of the story and the relationship between all the characters is just told purely through like the bit of body language that you get and just through environmental cues. And it's all fantastic. Totally. Another thing that's cool too is this is the first game that really introduced like continuity to the series because the game starts with Sonic and Tails flying towards Angel Island on the... um, on the uh, the tornado and tails the tornado has the rocket engine from the end of sonic 2 and sonic has all the chaos emeralds implying that uh basically implying that it's it's like the uh, the good ending of sonic 2 where you have all the chaos emeralds and they're flying off mm-hmm. until until uh, sonic gets hit by that trap that knuckles lays for him. yeah i always think of like the sonic shorts where like if um, anyone remembers those where like they make like a song out of it where knuckles just takes all the emeralds and sonic's like give those back and he's like no and just runs off into the into the background that's good somebody took the uh the knuckles theme or like sort of the mini boss theme from sonic 3 and like remixed it as like a knuckles rap song Mm. that's pretty good (laughs) uh speaking of music do we want to touch on the michael jackson thing i think we need to i think it's important the history of this game so it's never been a hundred percent confirmed. It it never will be. Like Sega's never going to admit it. Um, I don't think Michael Jackson will ever admit it either. No, it's kind of hard. Um, <laughs> but, but um, so I'm on the, on the firm belief that it's it's pretty obvious he was involved at one point. Uh, the Sonic Three ending theme is literally "Strangers in Moscow." Yes. Um, and Carnival Night is literally "Jam." <laughs> like it's. It's, yeah, very, it's and, very clear. And um, Ice Cab Zone is um, basically the same as a song called Hard Times by a guy named Brad Buxer, who was a frequent collaborator with MJ at the time. Yes. As well. It's the same song. And I believe <laughs> um, Launch Base also had something, like an influence. Well, it, it has those um, those like vocal samples. That, where it's that's like, what it is. Like that's a very like from because it was MJ's like dangerous album at yes, the time. Yeah. And it's if you listen to the dangerous album and then listen to Sonic Three, you can make the connections. Yes. Um and so funnily enough, when you do the Sonic Three and Knuckles combined cart, all of that stuff for the most part gets taken away and you have the Sonic and Knuckles um songs used over it, which was composed by Howard Drawson. Howard who actually reworked some of the tunes from sonic 3 because mj never finished it yes obviously um and there's a lot of the controversy basically is like when did he leave and why did he leave or why was he not brought in so why was he let go there's two common theories one of them was that he did not like the genesis sound card but i i always called bs on that one just because like why would he have approved moonwalker if he didn't like the sound card well, you know, at different times, Moonwalker came out in, what, like, 1990? True. Yeah, Something like that. That was very early. Yeah, I, and then this was um, 90, 93, 94, so... I believe, you know. though, the official reasoning that... Well, the, the unofficial reasoning was, I believe, the scandals had just started around this point. Yes. Yes, they did. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think it was, like, MJ and his team were trying to compose the soundtrack for this... 
and maybe they all felt limited by the sound chip that was in the, the Sega Genesis. And then that coupled with the allegations first arising, the first round of them. Yes. And then Sega being like, eh, maybe we want to distance distance ourselves from this. I think maybe they both used it as like a, you know, we got other things to do. Let's just part. Yeah. And then, but the issue remains um, still to this day that Sega didn't take his compositions out. And I don't think MJ ever specifically said yes or no to that. So they just kind of left them in there. And some of MJ's collaborators were uh, credited, but some weren't. Yes. And it's it, it's Sega being Sega, just, just fumbling something out of just pure incompetence. And I know some of them have said in interviews that they would, like, they've thought about, like, taking legal action against Sega because they've never received royalties from it. Um, and for a long time, Sonic 3 never had a proper re-release yep. because of the soundtrack controversy until recently with Sonic Origins Collection, yep. which I still haven't played, so, so I don't know what they did with that. Uh, did they do the PC songs? So we'll, we'll get into that now, actually. That Sonic PC collection that I had talked about as my first introduction to Sonic infamously actually had, well, besides the fact that the soundtrack was entirely done in MIDI and it sounded terrible, um, it was uh, three three zones had their music replaced. Sonic Ice Cap Zone, Carnival Night, and Launch Base all had new original compositions composed by Jun Sonoy, I believe, actually. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how convenient. Yes. <laughs> the guy who did all the special stage, uh, bonus stage music, I should say, not the special stage music. Um, yeah. So for the... Um, the the recent Sonic Origins collection, they they unfortunately use those songs. It's not ideal, but I, I get it. I, it. It was either that or we're not we weren't going to get Sonic Three. So basically, um, yeah. So in fact, actually, um, doing a just just checking, apparently Yuji Naka did confirm that Michael Jackson had been involved. Well, I figured I figured now he just doesn't care and he'll just say whatever. So. Yeah, but but I don't see why he would lie about that. Mm. So, um, but yeah, that was that was a whole thing. Um, and yeah, as the years have gone on, more has been found out about it, and it's a whole thing. It, it it's weird how it's like this mystery, you know. <laughs> but well, it's... It, I I guess it only is because of like you know monetary royalty stuff. Yeah. You know, well, it's always been like the biggest, like the most. It's so obvious, like everybody knows it, but there's no confirmation. So it's just one of those things that have always kind of like looms over uh, yeah. the fan base. Because, yeah. And it's like Michael Jackson's association with Sega doesn't stop there or mm. even with Moonwalker. Um, he actually is an unlockable character in Space Channel 5 on the mm-hmm. Dreamcast. So he was always a Sega guy. Um, loved, loved the Sonic games to death, which is why he worked on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it's such an interesting wrinkle in the history of, of this, of this game, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so. and to wrap up though, the Sonic three discussion real quick though, I do, we have to talk about the special stages, the best ones. Um, so, so Alex, do you know about the Sonic three special stages? Um, probably not. <laughs> so those are the, the blue spear ones. Like, the, you know, it's the Sonic's running around on the plane. And you have oh, to collect all the blue yeah. spears. With the incredibly catchy music. Yep. Uh, I, I love it. just keeps getting faster. Faster. And faster. And faster. And faster. Yep. <laughs> Except in the DS port where the, the, the speed up never happens. 
True. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Sonic Three is great, and also we should talk about Lock On. You could also lock it onto Sonic Two to play as Knuckles in Sonic Two, which is really cool. And it made um, the, it made the game harder. It does. In fact, with Sonic Three and Knuckles, when you play it as Knuckles, you know it opens those secret passageways that you mentioned. So mm-hmm. it gives you a bit of a different story because you're not fighting Robotnik. You're fighting a robot made by Robotnik using his stuff to sort of distract Knuckles while he's doing his his thing. Yes. Which is, again, more really clever storytelling. It's all very subtle, but it's mm. done very, very well. And also, Sonic 3 introduces a save system, yes. which is really nice, especially because the game is so massive. It kind of needs a save system. Um, and it has, I think it's at the end of... Ah, crap, which one is it? The one um, was a Marble Garden Zone. Um, I love that final boss where, like, Tails is holding you up oh, in the air yeah. as Sonic, and you have to hit him while he's in the air. And I always really like that one. A fun bit of continuity, because Tails isn't present in uh, Knuckles' playthrough, Knuckles has his own entirely unique boss. Yes. Yes, a really good unique boss as mm-hmm. well. So Yeah, I, I love Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It, it's my favorite 2D Sonic game by far. Um, moving on, though, interestingly enough, so talking about Sonic compilations, so the Saturn infamously did not have an original 2D Sonic game during its um, launch, well, an original Sonic platformer in general. It did have, though, probably, in my opinion, the greatest Sonic compilation of all time in Sonic Jam. Or or the, the correct way to say it, Sonic Jam. Yes. And Sonic, well, I... I the the Sonic ports are pretty good, other than occasional slowdown, every now and then. But uh, what makes this port super unique is its 3D Sonic World stage. But one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, this compilation has so many old ads for Sonic, like programmed into it, mm-hmm. including all of these Japanese ones. And Alex, do you remember the Japanese Sonic ads with the really freaky Muppet-looking Sonic? Oh yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, and you were, like, super, like, uncomfortable with them because Sonic is, like, super wacky looking. Yeah. Nah, I remember I remember stuff like that. What's cool about Sonic Jam is that it's it, they're not emulated at all. No, they're, they're like, programmed. They build, oh, sorry. Yeah, they were programmed, yes, for the Saturn from the ground up, and that's how they incorporated the normal and the easy modes in there. And, yeah, they're all made specifically for the Saturn, which is pretty impressive to do. Because usually Sega has a bit of a shoddy history porting old games to newer hardware, but they did a pretty solid job with this. Though it definitely feels like a sort of a oh we messed up, so here you go. Um, mm. With with Sonic Extreme, though I, I feel like you skipped over uh, Knuckles Chaotix. <laughs> Knuckles Chaotix. Um... I, I think Sonic game. I think everyone forgets about it because I forgot about it. I I never forget. Um. So fun fact about Knuckles Chaotix. I found that at a yard sale for five dollars. You should have bought it. I did. <laughs> I own <Good>. it. <laughs> in box or just the cart? Uh, complete in box. All right. Lady didn't even. I didn't even own a thirty-two X at the time. Lady didn't have one either. It was just a random copy of Knuckles Chaotix, and I grabbed it. I mean, you can probably get a thirty-two X in a dumpster somewhere. I have one now. I've I've played it. It's. It's the the Knuckles bungee jumping game. Like, yeah, Knuckles Chaotix. This is such an interesting game. You know, there was that uh, prototype called Sonic Crackers. Um, (laughs) That is is an unfortunate name. name. (laughs) 
Yes, especially if you're a Twitch streamer. But um, <laughs> and it was you know the whole the whole ring system with the rubber band and everything. Um, it's not bad. I don't hate that idea, but again, I think Knuckles Chaotix kind of suffers from the issue Sonic CD has, which is the level design is a bit too mazy and cryptic to really complement the sort of gameplay that they're trying to go for. I've tried to beat Knuckles Chaotix, and it's challenging, especially when the levels are almost in like a randomized roulette wheel style that you have to sort of hit the right one to go to the level. You can't just go to the next level. Yeah, it's that game is really interesting and fascinating. Like, I love the graphics and I like the idea, but it's such a it's like the most like mid Sonic game I think I've ever played. Like <laughs> it it's not bad, but it's like so that game gets repetitive so fast. Like, it's not even mm. funny. It definitely could have been a better game than it actually ended up being you can tell Um, you can tell very much it was definitely a last minute like we have this tech demo that we did nothing with and we need a sonic game for the 32x (laughs) yeah absolutely um great soundtrack of course Mm. but really cool special stage too because it's like in actual 3d graphics and it's kind of like the half pipe if it was fun because it's like a yeah it's like a platformer kind of it's cool yeah yeah it's it is such a unique game, and it's weird how it's like never been ported ever. I think Sega honestly forgot about it. <laughs> like, like I mean, they did the Sonic Gems collection. They could have just thrown it in there. there that would have been an easy throw. I know. And it also gave us two of the greatest Sonic characters ever made. Uh, SPO and Vector. No, Heavy and Bomb. Oh, them too. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest Sonic character. See, I have a soft spot for SPO the Chameleon. Mm. I don't know why. There's just something about him that I enjoy. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Charmy Charmy breaks that game, by the way. Yes, yes, he does. Because he can just fly everywhere. Yeah, he he's like tails with no restrictions. My my favorite is uh, so uh, the way it works to get like a party member in that game is there's like a roulette wheel as well, and you have to like it's like a claw game, and you have to grab the character you want for uh, your partner. But there's significantly more heavies and bombs. Um. If you get bomb, I I usually will reset because bomb sucks because all he does is blow up and waste your rings. Uh, if you end yep. up if you end up with heavy, at least you can pick him up and just use him as a battering ram. Uh, no, everywhere you go. <laughs> uh, and another fun fact is everybody has like a climb or jump, like double jump in this game, so that they can get everywhere. It's just a kind of cool effect. Yeah, a lot of interesting ideas, but they don't really come together. Yeah, it's it's a very cool idea, poorly executed game, in my opinion. And which seems to be a running theme with Sonic. Mm. So moving on now, like this was kind of a dry a dry period for two D Sonic games for the longest time. Like we'd get like because obviously Sonic was going three D at this point, and it was a big transition for the series. But the two D games did live on, and the first one we got after that was probably the most obscure 2d sonic game to this day in sonic pocket adventure i'm glad you brought this up so sonic pocket adventure was a exclusive handheld sonic for the ever forgotten neo geo pocket color handheld and it was actually developed by snk Mm -hmm. um and what's fun about pocket adventure is it is like a hybrid of 
Sonic 1, 2, and 3 with like ideas kind of mixed from all three of them into this one game. And yeah. You know, for a obscure Sonic game on an obscure handheld, it's not bad. It, it, it's a shame we have to call the Neo Geo Pocket Color obscured because if you've ever delved into the history of it, it's actually a really solid handheld. Oh, some of the best fighting games ever made are released on that thing. It's yeah, it, it was a really cool uh, handheld that obviously just could not compete with the mammoth that was the Game Boy. Yeah, but especially during peak Pokemon. Yeah, like Pokemon, I think just came out at that point, especially in the West. But um, in fact, I think they tried to have a Pokemon clone on there, but it didn't really work out. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Um, a key thing about this game, though, was um, the developer, so the team that made it SNK, the people who worked at SNK at that time and worked on this game later split off from the company and formed a little company known as Dimps. And the infamous Dimps. We'll be hearing about Dimps a lot going forward because Dimps would go on to make the next 2D Sonic game. Uh, the, actually, the next many 2D Sonic games, I should say. Like the next like five or six or something. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I don't, just for the sake of time, I don't want to dwell too much on these. So I'd rather talk about them as series rather than individual games. But um, Sonic Advance. Mm, um, Sonic Advance. Famously the first original Sonic game on a non-Sega, on a Nintendo platform. Big deal. It was at the time. Mm. And Sonic because th think about it the Dreamcast was uh, declared dead in what March of 2001 yes and then Sonic Advance the first one came out in Japan December 20th of the same year mm. Ima imagine that like shell shock as a, as a Sonic fan in like one year going from oh like Sega's one of the you know one of the main console manufacturers to oh now they're making Sonic games for the Game Boy. Yes. Couldn't imagine. So the Advance series is really funny to me because it is like one of the most steepest declines in a series I think I've seen, like going from one to three. I mean, there's an incline in there. True. Um, yeah, because it's weird because one and two are really good and three just kind of, three just falls off a cliff, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, they all do something different. They do. Like, like the first Sonic game, the first Sonic Advance feels closer to like a Sonic 1 and that it prioritizes platforming and does a really good job with it. It's very well designed. It has the modern aesthetic, so it has the modern Sonic with the green eyes and everything. And a perfectly surfaceable game. Um, good physics for a, a non-Sonic team game. Yeah, very solid physics. Uh, boss battles are fine. The last zone is kind of eh, but overall a, a very solid game overall. Sonic Advance 2... I actually had Sonic Advance 2 as a kid. I played this game all the time. This is where the speed started really showing. Yeah, like this is like pre-boost formula, but it feels like it's sort of almost a prototype for the boost formula. So I was actually talking on a, on another server today when the uh, a certain thing got announced, but um, we were talking about this game in particular, and uh, we I was I was talking with someone, and he had mentioned how he actually thinks that this handling of the boost should have been how they went with it going on where you have to actually earn it, and it's not just this thing that you have at your disposal at all times? I mean, you kind of have to earn the boost formula in, in those games, but it's not the same as this. Yeah, where it, it like gradually builds up, which is really cool. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, the level design definitely is built around that, and it's and it rewards you very, very much for doing that. And yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, love the levels in this. I know them off the top of my head because I played this game a lot as a kid. I'd also um, before we get to three, I'd like to point out though about these two games the uh, bonus characters that they give you because not only is Sonic and Tails and Knuckles playable but in Sonic Advance 1 you get to play as Amy which was really cool for the time and yes but getting her is a pain in the ass well in uh well in Advance 1 she's there from the start I I don't think she is oh I could be wrong on that I but... thought it was Advance 2 where you had to unlock her uh well you I think you have to unlock her in both oh maybe Maybe you know what I bought it used, so maybe the guy just unlocked everything already. Because uh, if I remember correctly, to get Amy in Advance One, you have to, I believe, get all the Chaos Emeralds and beat Sonic Advance as Sonic Tails and Knuckles. Okay. To get Amy, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is because those special, especially, especially because none of these games of this trilogy handled the special stages well or the Chaos Emeralds well. <laughs> So all garbage. It was either it was either the special stages themselves were terrible, or getting to the special stages was terrible. Yes. Um, but I would like to point out Amy's playability in Sonic Advance One in particular was really unique because she didn't have speed and she didn't have like the the kind of jumping mechanics that Sonic Tails and Knuckles had, but instead she had her hammer, and it kind of makes the game like very different, like from the out like from the offset and it actually is really fun how they handled her overall like she's definitely the hardest to play but her hammer just nerfs bosses Mm. what's fun is too there's actually rom hacks of like sonic one and two where they actually put amy in those with her move set from this game and it really it really makes the games different like in the in the long run oh for sure i yeah, there's there's so many ROM hacks of those games. It's so it's ridiculous, and I'm not surprised they would do that because it is an interesting move set. Mm. But Sonic Advance Two introduces uh, Cream the ah, Rabbit. The, the, <laughs> so uh, can we let's talk about Cream the Rabbit real quick and how she utterly breaks this game. <laughs> yes. Oh, you talk about nerfing boss fights. <laughs> yes. Just cheat. Cheese the Chow. Just cheeses every boss fight. Yes, his name is Cheese. Um. <laughs> yeah, but I I love Sonic Advance too. Um, I know some people don't like the the sort of like almost sort of auto scrolly kind of boss levels, but um, I like the actually, idea because of the speed. Yeah, and I and I could handle them just fine. I mean, some of them have some BS like one shot kills, but um, but yeah, they're all handled really well. And yeah, the theme of two is speed. That is like mm-hmm. the theme that is like implanted in your skull as you're playing it and it handles the speed really really well um and you don't really lose that momentum that you could lose in say the earlier sonic games if you're not quite sure what yeah. you're doing here it is very favored to even if you're a beginner you can figure it out um and it makes it a very fun rewarding game mm. and they still that fe- regard. and they still feel like classic sonic the whole time which is yeah it's the perfect bridging of the gap between mm. the classic and the modern and unfortunately, the third entry in the Advanced series does not do that um, very well at all. <laughs> yeah, I think I tried beating this for the first time earlier this year, and I DNF'd it at the final boss because I was just getting so frustrated that I couldn't do it. And yeah, Sonic Advance 3 is a rough one because the theme in this game 
is exploration and backtracking and partners and part the partner system is okay but i think it's a a neat idea that isn't executed well Mm. theme um and yeah they want you to like replay the levels multiple times to get everything um and the level design is as i've said it's too mazy i don't really care for it um some kind of bad enemy placements some bad spike placements and it's just in a way kind of a miserable experience like they were definitely trying to to make this something unique but i just really don't think it works overall did you kind of did you ever hear the 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 famous uh graphical glitch with the opening cutscene? no i haven't oh so the opening cutscene of this alex you'll get a kick out of this (laughs) the opening cutscene of this game has sonic and tails running off into the distance and like so it's sonic running and then tails is flying behind him there was a famous graphical error where a single black pixel was right on tails ass (laughs) oh i remember seeing that yep (laughs) it was edited out from the later uh revisions oh my goodness but it was like everyone was like what is that is that and i was just like sega you had one job they're they're trying to censor it (laughs) yeah i I always remember that because that was a big that was a big talking point with this game that's 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 really funny i'd never heard of that before Uh, i like that you can look it up on google you'll find the images it's great um just uh, be careful how you google that though oh i know <laughs> you gotta be all anytime you google anything sonic related you gotta be very careful <laughs> i open up my tor browser real quick yeah <laughs> um so before we move away from advance i would like to talk real quick though about the special stages slash getting to the chaos emeralds and how stupid they are like advance one y- you have to find a spring that's not bad the, unfortunately the special stages are awful <laughs> yes because uh, depth perception is hard. And you only get one try per uh, each act. Yes. Sonic Advance 2, the special stages aren't bad. They're they're just kind of like a 3D area you got to run around. The problem is, getting to them, you have to find all these rings in a very specific order. Seven. <laughs> Seven rings in each act that essentially is bottlenecking you into playing the level in the certain way they want you to. And it is utter bullshit. Yes. I've I've never in my life collected all seven of them in any level. Never cared to. Because no. if you're going to make it that hard to get the Chaos Emeralds, it's just not worth it. No, it really wasn't. Like, Dimps has a history of making the special stages ridiculously hard to get to or them themselves really hard. Don't really understand why. Like, they could have just redone the half pipe with the checkpoint thing and I would have been fine. I wouldn't have complained. Yep. And then Advanced 3, you have to find Chow. And I don't even remember what the special stage was because I really ever did it. I believe it's just the hack pipe again. Uh, I think you're in the plane, actually. I think you're in the the tornado, and that's how they did it. I thought that was 2. No, 2 is you're on, like, this open, like, 3D, like, space, and you have to run around and collect rings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, the one thing I'll give Advanced 3 credit for with the collecting the Chow, I think there's, like... 10 or something in each in like but it's in each zo- it's in all the zones i think combined or whatever yeah but it saves it that's so good. when you so when you collect a chow you have that chow you don't have to go back and get them all in one go yes which is nice like if if advanced to 
if they let you collect all the seven rings, but like in a non-linear fashion, you know, it's like, oh, this time I got a couple and then it'll save it. And then I can go back and try to get the other ones or something. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have been nearly as bad. No, not at all. Um, So, yeah, moving on now to Rush, the Rush series. Um, oh, I love that band. <laughs> same. Uh, so Sonic Rush is. Imagine Sonic Advance, but the physics are broken, and now you just run really fast. And a lot of and a lot of and a trick system. Yeah. Don't forget the trick system. And the homing attack is also kind of there. Yeah, I I, I like the first Sonic Rush game. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a great game. I will say the boost kind of covers up how bad the controls are, though. Yeah, I will agree with that. Also, you, um, you can beat the first stage by just holding right. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, which is a common, com- which is a common thing I hear people say about Sonic in general. But we're not getting there. Yeah. Um, in fact, funnily enough, this was the final mainline Sonic to be produced by uh, a current inmate Yuji Naka. So, yeah. a little fun fact. For it also, there. in pre-release, was the final game to feature voice talent from Ryan Drummond. Yeah. Yeah, because in all the trailers they used Ryan Drummond's voice. It was yeah. later replaced by Jason Griffith on the official game, but fun little fact there. Mm-hmm. And, and Sonic Rush introduces, in my opinion, an underrated character in the Sonic series, Blaze the Cat. Yes, um, I find her to be in a way a better Silver because she kind of has a similar story. You know, she's like an interdimensional like creature or something that came over and is lost and doesn't know what's going on. Yep. But she's handled a lot better, particularly throughout the Rush games. In fact, I think, I don't think it's this one. I think it's the second one where she like develops like a relationship with Cream the Rabbit. It's like a friendship and it's actually like really cute. Mm. Um, but yeah, this game, like it, yeah, it handles taking the Sonic advanced formula, moving it to the DS and doing something actually really cool with the two screens, having the game essentially be this big vertical experience it can be disorienting at first when you're playing it but you do get used to it and it it sort of allows the the art style of the game to really breathe because it looks like gorgeous because it retains that sonic advanced style but using the ds this hardware they can do more with it Mm. you know making like like much more detailed textured areas and having you know a little bit more freedom to kind of make more interesting zones with it and it's done really well um i if i remember correctly this one has the 3d boss fights it does where it's like a 3d well it's it's funny they're on a 2d plane still but they're fully 3d like from a design standpoint yeah and they're not good (laughs) yeah they're very long and drawn out yeah um truly soundtrack though very good soundtrack one of the better ones for sure uh... Um, i love the sonic advance 2 soundtrack Hmm. that's one of my favorites um, but yeah, Rush does a really good job of the soundtrack. Um, the uh, you know, jet, expanded DS hardware. The Jet Set Radio guy actually did the soundtrack for this one. Which oh, that explains it. That explains it's it. It's really cool. It, it's so weird to think about how so many games, so many like third-party games, use like the DS two screens like more effectively than Nintendo did. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you don't want to pet the dog. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah yeah sonic rush really solid game um i think i played it at the time and i really liked it i've never beat it 
but well, yeah, the final a, the final zones is where like Dimps's infamous like bottomless pit happiness kind of starts becoming very apparent. Yeah, yeah, because that's in Advance One as well. Hmm. I mean, it's yeah. it's in Pocket Adventure too. <laughs> that it is. That it is. Um, Sonic Rush Adventure, though the follow up. Oh, this is the game that introduces everyone's favorite character. <laughs> which which one is that? The the I I can't remember her name. Oh yeah, Marine the raccoon. Oh, who? The the annoying raccoon. Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so Sonic Rush Adventure is in some ways an improvement over Rush, but in other ways it's like too ambitious. So, Alex, mm-hmm. imagine like a game that's like it's a linear progression game where like you go from left to right, but then you're constantly like roadblocked by like you need to gather these like things before we can let you move on. So we're gonna make you just replay levels to to go <laughs> rather than just going from left to right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fetch questing uh-huh. and a lot of like mini games where it's like, oh, you're in a submarine and you have to like kill these like robots to get like a treasure so you can use this treasure to sail to the next level and all this other crap um in some ways it reminds me of phantom hourglass and that phantom hourglass is a very repetitive game that makes you replay stuff Mm. and it feels completely unnecessary it doesn't at all if anything it brings the experience down rush adventure i think does some of that as well Mm. um the boss battles are better than the first game um the normal like 2d stuff is just as good as ever um but yeah i i i can see why some people would like it more yeah than the first one but for me it's just it's not nearly as focused and that's kind of the issue i have with it now because we're getting close on time and i don't want to run i don't want to um completely skip out on the later ones uh i just wanted to point out sonic colors ds is also a 2d game it's basically rush 3 it's very good um but it's also arguably not as good as the console version or arguably better depending on your opinions on on the given day i mean it's hard to compare the wii and the ds versions because they're so different yes but but if i were to compare colors ds to the other two rush games for me it's probably the best one. Oh, it's by far just in terms of design because if because the wisps are utilized in the 2d way so much better than in the 3d way Mm. in my opinion now moving on from that this is where we get to probably one of the weirdest moments in sonic history where like a game i swear went from being praised beyond praise to everyone hates it now (laughs) so (laughs) around 2010 we got this bizarre trailer that I, i always remember because it was like all you all we saw was a ring spinning, and then we just saw the silhouette of like the uh, the Sonic logo, like title screen logo, and it was just in black, like shadow. And I remember like everybody was like, "Okay, what is this?" And there was a meme that it was a Pikachu and a sombrero for a while, um, a lot of goofy stuff like that. And it was known as Project Needle Mouse, and it was supposed to be a throwback to classic Sonic at the time. That's what they said, anyways. Yeah, we wanted to throw it back. Throw it back at Sega, I mean. Yeah. So this game eventually was revealed to be Sonic the Hedgehog 4. And this was coming... This was coming right after, like, 
one of the lowest points in Sonic's history. Like we had just come off of 06. Unleashed was a step in the right direction, but was held back by the Werehog. I personally like Sonic and the Black Knight, but a lot of people did not. Um, so it was like a a very weird point in the series for Sonic. And well, I think this came out the same time as Colors, right? So they came out very close to each other, and I remember because Sonic Colors initially got a very lukewarm lukewarm reception from fans, and everyone was praising the hell out of Sonic Four. And then the games came out. <laughs> yeah. And so Sonic 4, from what I've read history-wise, is originally this... Sonic 4 wasn't even supposed to be a Sonic 4 initially. It was originally just like this online digital like thing that Dimps was making that was like Sonic HD Adventures or something. Yeah, probably some like mobile game. Yeah. It definitely feels like a mobile game. Yes. <laughs> so then Sega at some point decided let's make it sonic 4 because the nostalgia bug is high right now and we got to cash in on that and the game basically looks like new super mario brothers in terms of graphics and the problem is they hyped it up as it's going to play just like the classics in terms of like everything and then we played the games and it literally plays just like sonic rush but without the boost I mean, I think I to me this is probably the worst controlling Sonic game I've ever played. Yeah, it's it's not good. There, there, like, there's no momentum at all. He stops on a dime, and it's so just jag jaggy and like just like it's just off. Like it's wrong. Mm. Like like Sonic shouldn't control like this. You know, he doesn't need to be this like tight. You know, he's kind of loose, which I think is kind of the point. Um, you can also like walk directly up a wall which is great um, yeah or like or um you can just walk like a whole loop-de-loop yeah the, the, somehow walking's faster than the spin dash it's uh this game is terrible the, the soundtrack sounds like dying cats it's like i remember i because you mentioned all the hype i was hyped for it at the time everyone was i remember because i was like so I was like, ooh, Sonic 4, you know, and they're like, oh, it's going to be just like Sonic 3. And I, I downloaded it on my Wii, and I played it, and I immediately was filled with regret. I, I've done that thing many Sonic fans have done, and that's you get excited for the next installment. You buy it, and you start playing it, and you're like, you know it's not good, but you're trying to convince yourself that, like, oh, maybe it is, maybe it's fine, maybe it's just me. And then you beat the pitifully short episode one. You know, I played through it multiple times. Oh, yeah. Trying to see if I could find something. And I never could. I mean, if you I got all I got all the Chaos Emeralds, I did basically all the challenges. If I had had it on 360, I would have got all the achievements. And ugh, yeah, terrible. So they followed that up with Sonic with episode two, which I'll give them credit was a step in the right direction but i think it was a little too little too late i never played it okay so <laughs> i i just i think because i was so burned by episode one that when i saw episode two i just went no so i'll give episode two credit they um they fixed a lot of things the physics while not perfect are much better um there actually is momentum it's still not great like it's not it's it's no classics it's no uh christian whitehead retro engine by any means but uh yeah it, it's it was a lot of things were better like physics wise graphic the music 
Uh, level designs were horrendous, though. Like, they were so much worse overall than Sonic 4s. Like, j- just to... Because as you mentioned, everybody, like, praised Sonic 4 Episode 1 at the time. Like, it's Metacritic. Like, the highest Metacritic it has is an 81. And then you go to Episode 2, the highest Metacritic it has is a 66. Yeah. And by this point, like, there's actually... So, Sonic Episode 1 ends with, like, a to-be-continued kind of thing. Yep. That actually exists in the code for Sonic for Episode 2, but they dummied it out, because even they were like, yeah, this ain't happening. Because it was supposed to be a trilogy. Yes. And they just never did episode three because episode. i mean why would you why would you the funniest thing ever though is episode two literally ends with like sonic and tails heading back to earth and little planet is still encased in the death egg it, it, some say it's still encased to this very day we'll never know um oh that's why i never played it it never came out on the wii that's right it didn't that's that's why i never played it because i couldn't play it I didn't have anything else to play at the time. My 360 had red ringed, like uh, I think at least a year before that. So tragic. I had nothing. So I guess to wrap this up now, we have the one final 2D Sonic game that came out, and wow, what a what a 180 this one is, eh? It basically reaffirmed everyone's faith in Sonic for a little while, anyways. I mean, in a way, Sonic Mania is like the ultimate fan game it is because it was made by fans (laughs) yeah like hired by sega to make something faithful because they couldn't do it dimsky didn't do it so they're like eh, let's just pay the fans to do it all right and it was so good that it completely trampled the other game that released at the time sonic forces like the main Uh. 3d one that was touted as a sequel to generations and then that game was what what it was and so Sonic Mania was the one everybody got excited about and played, and everybody loved it. We all still love it. And we will never get a sequel, because Sega is bitter. Yep. So, <laughs> fun f- little backstory behind Sonic Mania. Um, Sonic Mania was developed primarily by two guys in particular. Uh, we had previously mentioned both of them, but I'll start with the guy who kind of kick-started this whole thing, and that was Christian Whitehead. And his he first jumped onto the scene with he had made the Sonic CD port for Xbox Live and PlayStation Network back in like 2011, I want to say. Yep, and that it, widescreen remake. Mm-hmm. Widescreen from the ground up remake built on his own custom retro engine, which literally repli- replicates the Sonic classic Sonics even better than Yuji Naka ever programmed them. Yes. And what's fun is Sonic CD is kind of a janky game to play originally. Like Sonic stutters on like tubes and like the ground a lot. Completely fixed in the in the the Christian Whitehead redo. Though to be fair, Yuji Naka didn't program Sonic CD. That is true, but even like the classic like Sonic One and Two have some jank in them that is has oh, yeah. has been fixed because after he did Sonic CD, he was given the green lit to do Sonic One and Sonic Two as well. This time, bringing in some help from another man that we had previously mentioned, known as Stealth, uh, who had made that famous Sonic 1 Genesis pr- proof of concept. And he formed a company called Head Cannon, and they basically started a little group that would remake all of these Sonic games from scratch. And eventually, they got the okay from Sega to make an original game. And that game would become Sonic Mania. Which, in a way, is the real Sonic 4. 
So I love how they described it because in reality, their whole idea was that Sonic Mania was like the lost Sega Saturn Sonic game. And they specifically designed it like to look like it was made on a Sega Saturn. Like the 2D graphics are super bright and colorful. They look very similar to a lot of 2D games on the Saturn. And something I picked up on immediately was the special stages. They look like that low poly to like 3D graphics because they were they were supposed to be emulating the Saturn 3D. It looks like Sonic World. It does. And it's it's like such an awesome throwback. And it's like this is really a, a cool little idea for like a game. Like what if we made a Sonic game that that was made in like 95, 96 mm-hmm. and this is what it could have been. Yeah, and the Saturn was like the peak era for pixel art. Like so many games from that era still look great by today's standards. Oh, totally. And Sonic Mania, I mean, it has that HD shine on it that some Saturn games don't have. But you could probably like you know bit crush it a little bit to to run on a Sega Saturn, and it would look just as good as it does now. Oh, totally. And another fun thing too about Mania is uh, the soundtrack by uh, T Lopes. Ah. Uh, love that soundtrack he went above and beyond it is so high energy and upbeat there's like so for for what is a very simple game there is so much content in sonic mania it's so much content so much fan service um a lot of like deep cut fan service Mm. that only weirdos like us would get yeah um like the only real criticism people have with this game is that it reuses too many like old zones and you know whose idea that was uh, Sonic, uh, Sega is right. Yep. Uh, Takashi Azuka. <laughs> Takashi Azuka, a a controversial figure in the Sonic, yep. that was, the Sonic team. That was his suggestion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, it's fine um, because what? I th- I think Sonic Mania handles it really well because it'll have the first act be mostly the nostalgic one that you remember, and then when they do the second act, they completely redo it. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that was brilliant. Oh, yeah. Because even when you're doing Chemical Plant, like you do the first bit and it's like the greatest hits of Chemical Plant. And then when you hit the second act, it's them just saying, all right, we're going to take Chemical Plant and just jumble it up and do our own thing with it. And in a way, it's more memorable than the first act. Oh, yeah. Because the creativity these guys have is just completely off the charts. No, totally. Like so many like new ideas and even the old ideas, like some of the old gimmicks they take. Like, say, the very, like, the last zone, like, Pagoda or something, where they use the special stage from Sonic 3 where you jump on the balls and spin around them. Mm. They use that as a level design mechanic in there. That's that's so cool, you know? And that's another little, like, deep cut reference that is just all over the game. And it was made with love and care um, more than most, like, Sonic, official Sega-made Sonic games have ever been. And it's just, it, it's a masterpiece. It really is. It, like, it doesn't overtake Sonic 3 and Knuckles for me. Because I think that has more, like, I guess, authenticity to it. Because it's, you know, the real, the, the original team making it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Mania is just, like, like, why don't we get more games like this? Like, not even just, like, like games with this kind of, like, passion and love devoted to them. You know? Like, there's nothing cookie-cutter about it. It's mm. pure, like, we're making this because we want to make it. Not totally. And and everybody knows what they're doing, and it's fucking brilliant. Yep. And it's it's a damn shame we will never get a sequel for no. it, because mm. Sega is mad. Yeah. 
it, it's it's like it's almost like when Nintendo got mad at Rare for Donkey Kong Country to go back to Donkey Kong Country because like they took an IP of theirs and did it better. It made it better, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then everybody get and then they got mad at him for it. In a way, it's almost similar to this, but I don't know, man. Yeah, and time will tell because we did just today actually get the announcement of the next Sonic game, which is 2D, which just surprises me. Yeah, yeah. To 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 date this video, it was um, the Summer Games <laughs> Fest was today, and in the middle of it, they announced uh, a game called Sonic Superstars. So, unfortunately, with a lot of Sonic games, I won't be able to give an opinion until I play it because Sonic physics are very hard to judge by just looking at them. Yeah, and mm. I, I will say graphically, it looks very impressive. They're actually using classic two D Sonic, which. it's it's in 3d and like it's kind of like it looks very nice it's in hd i'll give it that um i i was surprised they use classic sonics design um i'll say right i think that i think they're starting to realize that like if we're going to do 2d we should use the 2d design and then for the 3ds we should use the 3d design which i think makes more sense yeah and I, i like that um i will say though like right now until i play it i don't know i like the look of it though so far and i'm cautiously optimistic the only issue i have with the look is somebody pointed out to me that it looks very new super mario brothers and now i can't get that yeah, out of my head. unfortunately it, it does it has that look to it um apparently it's being made by sonic team yeah it's, so... it's unclear they didn't put any like uh logo in the co- in the game anywhere but well, according to its uh, Wikipedia page, it's saying it's being developed by Sonic Team. Okay, so... well, time will tell on that. And with Sonic Team, I have no idea if it's going to be any good or not. Like, I'm glad it's not Dimps. Yeah. I, I, I can say that. <laughs> um, Dimps is better at making fighting games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, with Sonic Superstars, I think the big thing is, like with New Super Mario Brothers, it has, like, co-op. Yeah, that so was... you can play as, like, Sonic and Knuckles together. Oh, God, I just thought about this four player co-op on a sonic game that sounds like a nightmare <laughs> it does it does sound like a nightmare um alex we're totally doing that <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah i will totally be doing this in the future when it comes out my only issue is that i guess when i f- they're like the best buy listing had it at 70 yeah that's... and i was like i'm not paying 70 dollars for this no <laughs> but then i guess a press release came out that said oh it's actually going to be 60 which still feels like a big ask for a game of this nature that's probably not too... Like, it's not Sonic Frontiers, for example. So mm. <laughs> it'll be it'll be curious to see how they show it in the future and if they sort of justify the price tag. I mean, I'm going to yeah. buy it because I'm a moron. But like, <laughs> Sonic I, fans. Just, yeah, but I just don't know if I'm going to wait for a sale or if I'm going to get it right away. I bought, but I bought boom I day one. <laughs> I bought boom day one. Damn it. <laughs> uh, fucking, uh, that's, that's next time. Yep. Um, so I guess to wrap this up, I, I feel really bad because we kind of talked over Alex the entire time. It's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so one thing Alex really wanted us to do before we end this off is she wanted to sing the Sonic heroes song. No. Should we save that for the 3d one? Yeah, maybe we should. What do you think, Alex? Sure. All right. All right. So, um, before we wrap this up, uh, Thrak, do you want to plug anything or? Um. Uh, sure. Why not? Um. 
Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, at Thrack94. I post on there sometimes, so that's that's an easy way to communicate with me. Um, I'll plug two different podcasts real quick. One I'm considered a honorary member of, so I'll shout them out. It's a a novel a novel console, which is uh, two friends of mine, Chris and Carradin, who uh, talk about books, games, and food, and all that. I've been on quite a few episodes um, in their Discord as well, and uh, and it's a great show. I love them. And I uh, figured I'd, you know, give them a bit of a plug. And and I guess I'll plug a dead podcast, but it still gets traction. So I figure I'll mention it. And um, I used to host a podcast called Frame by Frame, which was a song by song analysis about the band King Crimson. Nice. It ended a while ago due to some personal issues um, with me and the co-host. But all that's been settled now. Um, we've considered bringing it back, but scheduling is kind of difficult with that but um yeah for some reason it still gets traction people still say they like it so it's still out there i have it archived so people can listen to it and yeah that's i guess about it so thank you for having me yeah thanks for coming on dude yeah thank you all right and on that note, guys, once again, thank you for joining us on the Gaming and Collecting Podcast. The Gaming and Collecting Podcast can be found on all your major podcasting platforms, particularly Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, you can follow us on all the social medias. Uh, our link tree is linktree slash the Barber Who Games. And you can join our official Discord where Alex posts a lot of cursed images <laughs> and uh, we talk about a lot of anime stuff. It's, it's, it's a good time. But on that note, guys, we will see you all next time. Bye-bye.